Welcome to the Abiding Word with Pastor Jim Swigert of Calvary Chapel Faith Fellowship. Pastor Jim is teaching through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Now let's join Pastor Jim for today's Abiding Word. Let's open the the Word of God to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. We're going to pick up in verse 13. That's where we left off. Remember that uh, as we've seen, the Apostle Paul was encouraging the church of Thessalonians, reminding them that they, um, you know, reminding them of God's prophetic timeline, that they did not miss the rapture. They were not living in the tribulation period of time. And remember, Paul was uh, reminding them of the three essentials that had to take place the, um, before the tribulation days, the apostasy, um, the man of sin or the man of lawlessness revealed, and then the restrainer uh, taken out of the way. And so we looked at those things, um, and now we pick up in verse 13. If you would stand with me, and we'll read the Word of God together. Beginning in verse 13 of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, we read, But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth to which he called you by our gospel for the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or our epistle. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and our God and Father, who has loved us and given us everlasting consolation, and good hope by grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. Let's pray. Father, we thank you uh, just for the blessed morning to come to worship you, to praise you. You are so worthy to be praised. We pray now, Lord, for your Holy Spirit. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would be our teacher and guide us into your truth this morning, Lord. May you build up the body of Christ here at Calvary Chapel Chapel Faith Fellowship, Lord, that we would be stewards of your grace, that we would be enlightened by your truth this morning, maybe even refreshed, Lord. And Father, that you would speak life into us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So some commentators have labeled this passage of Scripture as a system of theology uh, miniature as it gives us a pretty good comprehensive uh, statement of God's saving purposes. And I find this interesting um, because doctrine is important. Amen? Would you agree with that? Doctrine is important. And it's important that our doctrine is right according to the Word of God. Because if our doctrine is off, our worship of God's going to be off. Our service to Him is going to be off. And so if we don't know the right ways of God, you know, things are going to be off. And uh, this is so important then that uh, our doctrine comes from the Word of God. That uh, truth, His truth related to us, who He is, 
and who we are and what God says in his word. Um, and not only to be in the word, but to be doers of the word. And so it's interesting to me as we uh, look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, I forget how many weeks we're in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. It's been a while. Important things regarding future things and regarding God's prophetic timeline. But it's interesting now that Paul's given that to remind the church of uh, the Thessalonians, and as the Spirit of God reminds us of things yet future, um, we, we can know these things, but it's not just enough to know. You see, just as important as doctrine is, and it is vital, absolutely vital, just as important is that we're walking with the Lord. You see, I can have all the doctrine in my mind and in my heart, but that doesn't make me walk with the Lord. I can know about God and not know him. The Lord desires that we know him, that we walk with him. In fact, I, I love 2 Peter chapter 1, where you know the Holy Spirit, um, you know, Peter under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Listen to this. Verse 2 says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. When Peter used that word knowledge, in the Greek, that's not speaking of head knowledge or knowledge that is learned. It's speaking of experiential knowledge. Now, I don't know about you, but I learn more walking with God than I can ever read from a commentary or listen to a sermon or whatever. Walking with Jesus we'll learn an awful lot about God. And we'll also learn a lot about ourselves. Oh, but doctrine is vital, don't mishear me. But just as important is that we're walking. Again, doctrine, just because we have right doctrine, you know, just because you go to a church that teaches the Bible straight through, that doesn't mean you're walking with the Lord. It's great to be in the Word, but to be doers of the Word. To be obedient to the Spirit of God. And so I find it interesting as Paul's laid this out so clearly to them, or he, uh, you know, in that first century laid this, these things out to him, and the Holy Spirit to you and I, he goes right into some things that are doctrinally, some things that um, they had to be encouraged with. And it's important as we look at this, it's just, again, just not reading a text, it's, it's reading the word as, as Paul encouraged them, the Spirit encourages us with the truth that we already know about God, and especially pertaining to our salvation. So let's pick up here in verse 13. It says, but, and we'll stop right there then, because but connects us with things that have already been said. The but is a contrast. So what Paul's going to be sharing them, in contrast to those that we read about in verse 11 and 12, and for this reason God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie and that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in righteousness. Again, Paul's talking about the tribulation period, but as we looked at, that strong delusion 
We're seeing that in effect today, right? Paul talked about in Romans 1, the lie. The lie, the lie, the lie. We experience that today, but it's going to be even greater during that time about the lie. So Paul's wanting to paint a picture, a contrast with these believers to those who weren't and are not believers, right? Um, you know, as uh, <laughs> I'm going to wrap myself out here for a minute, and I hope you'll extend me grace because I love you and I extend you grace, but... Um, uh, you know, there's sometimes that I, I think a lot about our culture. I think a lot about our times, as we, as we do. I know my audience here. Um, but when, the days are evil. Amen? The days are evil, and it's getting worse. And we know it's going to get worse. It's going to get much worse. And we, we just get bombarded. And sometimes uh, it, it, my heart is like, it's easy to condemn the culture that we live in. Amen? It's easy to do, to point at everything that's wrong, and it's easy to do. But, you know, and sometimes I rant on this. My kids know that I rant on this, that we live in a dark world. It's filled with evil. There's perverse. There's, it's corruption. It's wicked. There's no justice like it ought to be. But then I'm reminded from the Lord, when has the world ever been good? And so I answered the Lord in that. I, I know this, Lord, before Genesis 3. Before Genesis 3, when you, when you created, for six days he created, and it says, it was very good. I got the answer right, Lord. My point being in this, we don't live in a good world. We live in an evil, perverse world that rejects God. But he... He's called us out of the world, and we should rejoice in our salvation. The big picture is God has saved us out of the dark world. And, um, you know, as we understand that the world is, is darker, so when, when was it good? Well, before Genesis 3. Then Genesis 3 came along. We know, right? Satan tempted Eve and Adam, and they bought the lie about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They bought the lie. They sinned. And then they tried to cover themselves up with fig leaves. They tried to, because they had shame and guilt of disobeying God. And remember what God did. You know, he provided a sacrifice for them. And a covering. But that's, ever since then, the world's not been good. In fact, I'm reminded again, and I know I've pointed this out before, but I think it goes right along with our study. In John chapter 3, verse 16, right? You know this. John chapter 3, uh, verse 16. And Jesus was telling his disciples this, and, and the Lord tells us this, right? John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. This world is evil and dark and getting worse and worse, and the truth is God still loves all. He loves the world. And then Jesus continues, said, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn 
the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practice evil, hates the light, and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may, clearly, may be clearly seen, and they, they have been done in God. So again, to bring that up, these believers at Thessalonica, they were living in a dark world. They were going through persecution. They were going through trials because they were newer believers and they were experiencing you know, all kinds of different things. You know, as you and I live in these last days, we are experiencing things that we never thought we would experience. Amen. I mean, my goodness, Michigan beat Ohio State twice, two years in a row. Sorry, that, that was not inspired. But you know what I mean. There's things going on that we never thought we would ever see on earth. And we can, get our, we can get clouded in this. But the truth of the matter is, just as the Spirit of God and Paul encouraging the believers then, God wants to encourage us with the truth. It's not about the evil. It's about his goodness. It's about his love. It's about him calling us out of the darkness and into his light. And so that's the encouragement that we have. And so we continue on here. But... We are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. So here again we see that Paul, having these words of compassion, he was thankful for them. Remember, they were hearing all kinds of false teaching. You know, you're, you're, you missed the rapture. You're living in the day of the Lord. You're, you're experiencing these things. You know, and you know, the enemy is real, right? When we experience things, and you know, we can we can apply this not just to end times things and living in dark days that we're living in. What about just the normal trials of life that we experience here on earth? We go through things that uh, draw up the human emotions that are, are that are real. And how many times has the enemy lied to us and say, Well, you know, maybe the Lord's not who you think he is. Maybe he really doesn't love you as much as what he said. Or how about this? Maybe you're actually being punished because you're not a good person. Does anybody, does that ever happen? The enemy lies. The enemy lies. And so Paul here, he's encouraging them. And this would have been a huge thing. Just think about receiving a letter being read by the Apostle Paul, who was there. Remember, he was there for at least three weeks, probably more like three months, or maybe even a little bit longer, but not a long time. He poured into them, taught them the Word of God, taught them the uh, doctrine about God and about Jesus and about the Holy Spirit, taught them things pertaining to the future. And so this would have been very encouraging for them. You know, it's, it's amazing. In the last two months, we've had three guest speakers. And that's a lot for two months. Usually you get three in a year. But 
I hope you've been encouraged by them because I know they have been. You know, Pastor Mike in Calvary Chapel, Lima, and Pastor uh, John Thomas in Brownsville, Pennsylvania, and then Pastor Ted from New York last week. These men have walked with the Lord for a long time. You know, Ted is 75 years old, the fellow that was here last year. He, he's, he's been through a lot. And he was blessed to be here. He texted me on, on uh, Monday and just said what a blessing it was to be there. But to see the Lord work through men like them, that they run the race, and they're still faithful to all that God's doing them, I hope you were encouraged. And they were encouraged. And so again, just the mindset of the Thessalonians receiving this letter. But let's look at what Paul said here, because it's important. It would be easy just to overlook these words, but words are important. Paul uses the phrase, you know, he gives thanks to them. He's always thank thankful for them, as we've seen through uh, his letters. Thankful that they were saved. Thankful that God worked in their lives. And he calls them brethren, beloved of, by the Lord. Love, beloved by the Lord. That's a powerful phrase. And again, remember, as these believers were going through it, uh, it's interesting in all that Paul taught them in the doctrine, they were still going through persecution. Think about your life and the trials that you endure. And as you praise the Lord in the midst of the trials and suffering, sometimes the Lord shows his greatness in his presence in your life, but the trials remain. And Paul here, he's going back to the very basics of sharing them what they already knew, but reminding them, beloved by the Lord. That's a powerful phrase, beloved by the Lord. The enemy wants to put doubts in our minds, and Paul, he goes, beloved by the Lord, which is interesting, this beloved by the Lord is actually, beloved here is a verb, meaning action, ongoing, and we kind of think about it this morning. The power of the blood. It's not like we came to the Lord, got saved, and his blood covers us, and then that's it. No, remember where Jesus is? Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, always interceding for us. His, the blood is always powerful. Our salvation isn't about just that one time when he rescued us. Yes, it was one time, but then we continue on with him. And we are beloved. It's, it's a verb. It's God continuously working in us. It means to be fond of, well-pleased. Well-pleased with believers. Hmm. The next time Satan lies to you, claim the verse, you are beloved by the Lord. And it's not based on anything that you ever have done for the Lord. It's based on him and his grace and his mercies. I'm also reminded in this that the beloved of the Lord, someone else in the Bible is also called beloved with a capital B. That's Jesus. In this, we identify with Jesus. We are the beloved verb, but it's interesting. Jesus, he is the beloved. An adjective. He is the one. And I'm reminded in the scriptures, a couple places, the Mount of Transfiguration, you might remember, and a cloud came and overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son. Hear him. And then what about the baptism of Jesus? 
in, in Matthew uh, chapter 3, which I'll read for you. Matthew chapter 3. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him, and suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. See, you and I, then we identify with Christ, with the Father. Just as the Father well pleased with the Son, he is well pleased with you and I, because of Jesus. Beloved of the Lord, because God chose you, as he says here, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. Again, this is good doctrine. We know these things. We have our ABCs of doctrine. But man, when we chew on these things, the Spirit of God can so much encourage us and remind us. These are good scriptures to use in the midst of battle. When the enemy calls us a loser, nope, I'm beloved. Nope, I'm beloved. I didn't do anything to earn my salvation. Jesus did it for me. And oh, by the way, I read the whole Bible. I know how all this turns out. You have no power over me now. Jesus took your power. You shouldn't talk to the devil that long. Just tell him you're beloved. <laughs> just, I'm just ranting here. Now, this is in contrast, again, to those who don't know the Lord. They're not beloved. God loves them, but they're not part of the beloved. The beloved, Jesus, that points to his unique relationship with the Father, the only begotten Son. And you and I, just as we sang this morning, we're sons and daughters of God because we are beloved. Not based on anything you and I did. It, from the beginning chose you for salvation. Now again, doctrine is important. I love the doctrine of election. I've got to warn you. When I got saved, it was months on end reading in Romans, trying to figure this out. I'm going to figure it out. And what I come to realize is, and we used to call ourselves illiterates by that point, but um, why does God want us to know that we've been chosen before the foundation of the world? That's what the scripture says. Why does he want us to know that? Because we praise him for it. We'll never lead anybody to Jesus telling somebody about the doctrine of election. And nowhere in the scriptures does it say that uh, because we're chosen, some aren't chosen. Now it plays out that way. Chose us before the foundation of the world. So Paul here, he's not trying to start up a theological discussion here. He's, he's comforting. He's giving them assurance in the midst of suffering, in the midst of trial. Again, doctrine is so much needed. It comes from the Word of God. The Bible says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And here we have this, believers are chosen, were chosen before the foundation of the world through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. So again, not to, for theological discussion, for comfort and strength. God chose us out of the world. In Colossians 1, it talks about how we have been uh, transformed, 
or transferred or conveyed into the kingdom of his beloved son. We have been rescued out of the domain of darkness, and we have entered into his kingdom of light through the sanctification by the Spirit. So you remember before you were saved, before you were a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you remember when the Holy Spirit began working in your heart. And when the Holy Spirit was working in your heart, you began to get convicted of your sin. And as you began getting convicted of your sin, you, at some point the Lord pointed your, to your need of Jesus. And you made that confession of faith. Just to be clear, no, we're not Christians at birth, right? Amen? There has to be a decision made. We've been chosen from the foundation of the world, not based on anything that we could ever do for God. How do you know you're chosen? Well, <laughs> whoa. You made that profession of faith. That's how you know you're chosen. And even that we can use when we're being tempted, when we're being persecuted, when we're going through trials and tribulations. You could even, might even say it's God's fault that you're a believer. <laughs> but the sanctification doesn't stop there when you became a believer. That sanctification, which means set apart or holiness, set apart from the world, set unto the Lord, it's a continuous sanctification process, right? Yes, at the beginning we are sanctified, we are justified at that very moment. But then that sanctification process continues, a walk in holiness. We grow spiritually. We grow in the Lord, growing in holiness. And then Paul says, in belief in the truth. So here we see God's sovereignty and human responsibility. He chose us before the foundation of the world, but yet there's a time that we believe, which means you acted upon your conviction. You believed in the truth. So you can confidently say, because of your conviction, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Now see, this is how the enemy works, right? You understand this. Sometimes the enemy will work on professing believers, and then as they go through the trial and it's too much to endure, oh, I never experienced this stuff when I wasn't walking with God or started going to church or whatever, so they quit. And then, well, Jesus didn't work for me. This Jesus thing, it didn't work. See, that's a person who might have a little bit of doctrine or knowledge about God, but doesn't know him. And that's where we need to grow as believers, continuously knowing him, walking with him. Big difference between knowing about God and knowing God. And Paul continues then in verse 14, to which he called you by our gospel for the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul's gospel, not a different gospel, but the gospel that he preached 
preach the cross and the resurrection of Jesus, the good news. And he says, for the obtaining of the glory. Paul talked about the glory of God a lot. Remember back in 1 Thessalonians, um, or excuse me, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, chapter 1, verse 10, he said, when he comes in that day to be glorified in his saints, to be admired among all those who believe because our testimony among you was believed. Um, in Colossians 3, he spoke, when Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. And then what about Romans 8, 18? Paul says, I consider the sufferings of the present time are not worthy to com be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. So this glory. And I, I, I know you, as you go through trials and tribulations, that you're quoting these scriptures. You know, remember in, in Philippians 3, Paul talked about us not being citizens of heaven. Or excuse me, citizens of earth. We are citizens of heaven. That's our home. That's our hope, right? Do you not use that scripture when the enemy's bringing forth the lies to you? This isn't our home. We look at the world that we live in. This isn't our home. We have a future, and it's part his glory. We'll see his glory. We'll be part of his glory. And for the obtaining of the glory. It's something that you and I possess as believers. We possess it. We have it. That's our assurance. It's our blessed hope. It's the assurance of things that we can't see, but it's the conviction that we have. We can look at the world and say, this is not my home. What I have in store for me is glory with the Lord. And that's not based on something you came up with yourself or something that you try to meditate or chew on because it'll make you feel better. It's, it's truth. And so it's interesting as Paul shared these things, he shared things about the future, uh, they still went through persecution. That didn't change. And sometimes it's that way in our life. As we pray to God, we get peace from God, and we'll see in a few scripture, or see in a few minutes of scripture from King David. Well, he wasn't king yet, but how often does the Spirit of God give us peace in the midst of trials and sufferings and the daily rigors of life, and yet? Sometimes our, our trials get worse, the things that we go through, the situations that we endure. So after laying out this, these doctrinal things to give them comfort and strength, Paul then says, Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or our epistle. In the midst of their being persecuted and enduring these trials, here's the exhortation. Stand fast. Stand fast. In light of all the things that you're going through, stand fast. You're beloved. You're, you're chosen. You've obtained salvation. You possess that. You, you, you've been called out of the world. You're a child of God. Stand fast. Don't fall away. Don't quit. Don't stumble. Boy, did I have a I had an interesting uh, little sermon illustration this morning. I don't know, it was about 3.30 or something. I got up and I uh, went back to bed and I stumbled and I I fell and hit my face on a on the dresser. So I don't 
you might not be able to see it. Kyle saw it this morning, but uh, what a sermon illustration. Don't hold fast, don't, or stand fast, hold on to. Don't stumble, don't fall away, don't quit. In the midst of a godly, ungodly culture, in the midst of all we're living in, don't, don't quit, hold fast to. You know, David is such a great, great example. And how many of you, uh, I'm going to turn to Psalm 57 and look at a few scriptures there. But how many of you, uh, going through trials, the enemy lies and says, you're the only one ever going through this? Anybody? It's, it's a trick of the enemy. And he's very clever. But how do, you, how do you counter that? You know, you can use the Bible. You look at all, the, all of God's great people that he used. You look at Abraham, and you look at Moses, and you look at Joshua, you look at David. All of those men had struggles, and God, he used them. David's a, a wonderful example. You know, you look at, you look at Daniel, in the lion's den. And he's a great example because he lived in days of evil, so much so that they went under the, the hand of judgment by God, departing or leaving them uh, to captivity in Babylon. And they had to live in such an ungodly culture. But God had the same promises for Daniel in the scriptures. They had the promise that they would be delivered and they would go back to uh, the homeland, Israel, after 70 years. So we're not immune to, you know, we're going to go through things. Jesus warned us that, you know, they hated him, so the world's going to hate us, so we can't use that, well, the world hates me. Well, yeah, the world hates us because of, we're beloved. We connect with Jesus. We identify with Jesus. The, world's gonna, the world hates light, like Jesus said. But it's interesting, King David in Psalm 57. Psalm 57, or he wasn't king, sorry. Uh, but this is David, he's on the run from Saul. And he ends up in, in a cave. And it's interesting that David penned many psalms when he was in a cave or running from Saul. Or, and remember, he's already been anointed by Samuel, already anointed by the Lord that he was going to be king of Israel. And so he had to wait on the Lord before the fulfillment of the anointing, the fulfillment of the promise. And you know, you and I, we're waiting on some things from the Lord, right? We're waiting for the Lord to come for his church. But we wait in victory. And the only way we wait in victory is when we're connected to God through his spirit, through his truth. And it's interesting, you read some of these things, uh, like in verse 2 of Psalm 57, David says, I will cry out to God Most High, to God who performs all things for me. Now, mind you, he's in a cave hiding from Saul. He's distressed, but he cries out to the Lord. And i got to tell you, when I read this, I get a little bit convicted. I wonder, when's the last time I truly cried out to the Lord? Oh, his church needs to cry out to him. 
not for him to remove our circumstances. And David said, to God who performs all things for me. He shall send from heaven and save me. He reproaches the one who would swallow me up. So even in the midst of being distressed, he's still possessing faith in God, trusting the Lord. He says, God shall send forth his mercy and his truth. He says, verse 4, my soul is among lions. I lie among the sons of men who are set on fire, whose teeth are spears and arrows, and their tongue a sharp sword. And he says, be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be above all the earth. Let your glory be above all the earth. And then it's like, they have prepared a net for my steps. My soul is bowed down. They have dug a pit before me. Into the midst of it, they themselves have fallen. Then listen, verse 7. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and give praise. Awake my glory, awake lute and harp. I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing to you among the nations, for your mercy reaches unto the heavens and your truth unto the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be above all the earth. We can learn so much in the Psalms. In fact, a few years ago when COVID hit, right, when the, the world was ending, as we knew, well, it kind of has changed a lot, but um, someone told me we need to know our Psalms. We need to know our Psalms. Why? Because of what I just read. David waiting on the Lord, going through great trial, calling out to God, crying out to God, yet, God, you be exalted. Oh, they're here to kill me. Oh, Lord, I will praise you. This is what God desires for you and I. It's got to be God first in all of our thinking. What happens when we don't have God first in our thinking? When we're going through trials, when we're going through persecution. Well, what happens is, if God's not first, our eyes are going to be on ourselves. Why am I going through this? Now, don't mishear me. I think it's, it's good, proper, and we should go to the Lord and say, okay, Lord, why am I going through this? I don't understand this, and have the conversation with him. And not the co-worker that doesn't know Jesus. You see, if we're not going to the Lord first, our faith is diminished. And when our faith is diminished, we get weaker. It's when our faith is eyes on him is that we, we get stronger. And if our eyes aren't on him, and if he isn't first, then we're going to be relying on something else to give us the strength and comfort. We're going to be saying, well, Jesus isn't enough. So in the midst of that cave running, you know, David, and running and hiding from Saul, David, my heart is steadfast. My heart is steadfast. And then it says here, this is interesting, hold the traditions which you were taught. Now, when 
Paul says that he's not talking about any traditions with a denomination or a church or any traditions of man. He's talking about specifically the traditions of what was being taught from the apostles. The apostles' doctrine. Not traditions from man or a church, things that have been laid, you know, passed down. Unfortunately, we have that in our culture, don't we? In religious circles. Traditions. Praise God for the word of God and the apostles' doctrine. One, one scripture that is ought to be a foundation not only for the church, but for every one of us individually, Acts 2.42, which says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and in prayers. Now, this is an awesome scripture, really a model for the church, but model for individuals. It's like essentials for us as followers of the Lord. Do we put forth time? Is, are we continuously, steadfastly receiving from the apostles' doctrine? And what is that? Well, it's the word of God. And what about the priority of the word of God in our lives? See, again, we can know things about God. But if we're not in the word of God hearing from him, and boy, this is a prayer for all of us, is that we would hear his voice in this culture that we're living in. So much distraction, so many voices competing, amen? We've got to hear, we've got to hear him. And the only way we hear him is if we're in the word of God. And we're in fellowship. How important is fellowship? It's very important. Believers, together. You know, Satan's so clever with COVID. He, there's so many still, not, not a part in fellowship. And Satan's lied. We, we need to be in fellowship. I'm not saying be at church every Sunday, but be at church every Sunday. Fellowship doesn't mean be at church every Fellowship, koinonia, in the Lord. We have to be doing life with one another. It's not just about a Sunday morning service, but doing life. And then communion with the Lord. Obviously, breaking bread, communion, worship. I mean, is this your only time of worshiping the Lord during the week? I hope not. It's awesome when we get to come together in one accord and one spirit and give praise to our God. To be a blessing to Him and to be together, that's, that's church. Part of church. What about our prayer life? See, we can get into the tradition of rituals. We can pray when we get up. We can pray when we eat. We can pray before we go to bed. I think our, the Lord desires more. Again, this is just a scripture that is uh, a good scripture to have an interview with the Lord with, to where we are with God. The traditions that Paul's talking about is traditions of the, the apostles' doctrine. Again, just not knowing about God, but pointing them to Jesus. And as we look at all these scriptures, this isn't just for our intake. Please understand. This is for you and I, and what are we supposed to do as a church, as believers? Well, we're called to make disciples. Amen? Would you agree with that? That's just not the pastor's job. 
or the Sunday school teacher's job, or the worship leader, whomever, we're all, if you're a disciple of Jesus, you have the command to go and make disciples. And we all play a part in that. And part of making disciples is, like Jesus said, teaching what he has commanded. You know another word you could use in teaching what he has commanded? The word counsel. We're all called to make disciples. We're all called to counsel one another. And also, since we have the Holy Spirit, since we're commanded to go make disciples, we ought to be, because we're in the Word of God, being led of the Spirit to counsel those who don't go to your church, or how about even those who don't know the Lord? Part of making disciples is going and, and evangelizing. Make disciples, you, you have to share the gospel. And then once somebody does receive the gospel, then you get to pour into them. I can't help. This is what Paul, Paul's counseling the church of Thessalonians here. But I tell you, the human psychology has come into the church in the last several decades, and um, you know the lie is is that you know you know Hollywood, everybody has a therapist. That's what it seems like. But discipling is not therapy. Counseling is pointing people to Jesus, following Jesus, walking with Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And in fact, in Isaiah, it says that he is the wonderful counselor. And we read in 2 Peter chapter 1 that God has given us everything for living and godliness. So Paul gives that exhortation, and then he says, Now... May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and our God and Father who has loved us and given us everlasting consolation and a good hope by grace comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. So here's words of intercession. Paul praying for these believers. Paul gave thanks to the churches. He gave thanks to God. And here he, he's praying once again for them. Paul, we know, was a prayer warrior and he prayed often for uh the church of Thessalonians. Remember back in Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3, he said this, We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting because your faith grows exceedingly and the love of every one of you abounds toward each other. And we know that in, in chapter 1, verse 11, he also prayed, Therefore we also pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power. So Paul, he prayed often for the church, for the churches that he ministered to. And it's interesting, he doesn't say anything here in his prayer about them being removed from their situation. I find that interesting. You don't, you don't see it in any of Paul's prayers. He's always praying for the church, whether it be the church at Ephesus, Philippi, the Thessalonian church, he's always praying for the power of God to work in and through them. And something for you and I to, to pray for one another. But he points to, to the Lord. He prays for comfort and strength and the work of God in them in the midst of dark days. And 
Um, you know, when you think about us living in 2023, living in days that are dark, days that are certainly rough, certainly days that are different from when we grew up. You know, that's something I think about how I rant. Sometimes um, my Christianity brings in a national sense, the greatest nation on the face of the earth, the United States of America. Would you agree with that? We have been so blessed. And I remember growing up, on July 4th, that meant something, you know, growing up. You know, hamburgers, hot dogs, but we always had somebody telling us about the freedom that we have. And then as we see, and, and ranting on here, I guess, you, you see our country, you know, not going the way we ought to be going. But that can, that can enter into and cloud my judgment of what God wants us to do. That can cloud the, the, the commands to go and make disciples. Because we can so much be in that mindset. But it's not about all that. Because we live in an evil world. We live in the reality that nations fall. We live in reality that in the last days, the enemy's gonna, the presence of evil is going to be so bad. We haven't seen anything yet compared to what the Bible says during that tribulation period. All that to say, our focus needs to be on the Lord. And that's what Paul was praying for them, encouraging them through the truth that they knew, the truth that they experienced, and the hope that they have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what we have together as a church. I'm going to close with one scripture here. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Because we're all on a mission here. Right? Amen? You're living your life for the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the light. He's called us to be light. He's called us to be salt to the earth, light to the world. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We already have victory. Amen? Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. You're going to have times... You already have. We'll have them as a church. Like, oh my goodness, what, what's God doing? You see, we're still fresh, <laughs> right? We're still experiencing the newness. I hope it stays. Pray that it stays. But it doesn't mean the last nine months, probably most of us have experienced, Lord, what are you doing in my life? What? It's hard. He gives us this encouragement because not based on our own strength or our own wisdom, but based on him. My beloved brethren, be steadfast. Be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Listen, the Holy Spirit is always working in your life. You may be going through heavy trials and tribulations, the enemies may have even cast out fear to you because he wants to, because if he can get you to think about the uncertainty of life, he can bring forth that fear. But we have the word of God. You're beloved. You're his. You're sons and daughters of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Your hope isn't in anything in this world but Him. And He's called us to be a church of light. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word, and we pray uh, for the saints here right now, Lord. We pray as they go to their workplace, they go to their their families this week, God, that you would bless them with just the abundance of your spirit of love, joy, and peace that would just flow from their lives, Lord. And Lord, I pray for those that are going through very tough trials and tribulations, uncertainties in life. First and foremost, Lord, that you would give them peace that comes from you, Lord, that you are indeed in control. Let them know, Lord, that your spirit is working in their lives. They are being light. They are being immovable. They are abounding in the work of God. And all that they do, Lord, is not unseen by you. So would you strengthen your church today, Lord, that we might be light to the world and salt to the earth for the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. For it's in his name we pray. Hello, this is Pastor Jim from Calvary Chapel Faith Fellowship located in northern Cincinnati. Thank you for listening to today's Abiding Word. Jesus said, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So we hope the word has encouraged you in your walk with the Lord today. You can email me at PastorJimSwigert at gmail.com. That's PastorJimSwigert at gmail.com with any comments or prayer requests. You can also connect with us at Calvary Chapel Faith Fellowship. Church website is CalvaryChapelFaithFellowship.org. There you can learn more about the ministry of Calvary Chapel Faith Fellowship. Thank you and God bless.